Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you on what will be Wednesday for you guys. Getting this episode out a little bit earlier this week, just with uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas on Thursday and Friday. Wanted to make sure you guys had something, you know, if you do want to listen to a podcast then, but also, you know, didn't know what kind of the listenership would be. So if you want to get in the preview before then, I hope you're uh, listening to it when it comes out on Wednesday. Because uh, although the holidays are here, the Browns the Browns do not rest. And we've got a bunch of stuff to get to in this episode. There's some Browns news, Pro Bowl selections. I, I had Nick Dayus on from Veterans Minimum to talk about the Jets game. And first, though, I think we got to start with what happened last night. The Steelers fall to the 2-10-1 Bengals on Monday Night Football in what was a shock to most people out there and, and consider me one of those people that was shocked that the Steelers lost this game. And now, and now the path to the AFC North is back open for the Browns. It's pretty simple. Steelers have to lose to the Colts next week as well. Good Colts team. The Browns beat the Jets and then the Browns and Steelers face off week 17 for the AFC North division. Very, very possible scenario at this point. I think I saw Projections are kind of like 10% chance of the Browns winning uh, the division at this point, which is actually pretty solid if you kind of figure that that against the Steelers, it's 50-50 just to win that game. So that that's that's not bad odds. But but there is a second piece of this that's going around a little bit as well. And that's that in order for this to happen. That means the Colts have to beat the Steelers, a Colts team that is in competition with the Browns in the AFC wildcard race. The Browns have a lot of competition, as we've talked about on the show many times for that AFC wildcard. The Dolphins, the Ravens, the Colts, again. So there's a little bit of a strange situation here where if the Dolphins beat the Raiders this week and if the Ravens beat the Giants, the Browns go into week 17 with no playoff berth clinched assuming the Colts also beat the Steelers. That's, you know, that's scary. That's scary as Browns fans, I'll say it. And I I feel okay about the Browns' chances, but look, I'll say, uh, you know, the, I made the argument once to be rooting for the Steelers on, on this podcast, and, and look, that, that, that bit me because it had the Steelers lost that game to the Ravens, the Browns would actually be in a much better place to win the AFC North. And I didn't see that coming at the time. So you can, you can disagree with me and all that, but if the Dolphins, I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying, look, the Dolphins play on Saturday. So that's the interesting part here. Going into the game Sunday, there's a chance the Browns will know if they've clinched the playoff berth or not. If the Dolphins just straight up lose to the Raiders, boom, no problem. Browns are in the playoffs no matter what anyway. However, if the Dolphins win on Saturday, I'm going to make a case for you 
that it, it, I would, I might be rooting for the Steelers and I'm not sure I haven't totally thought about it yet, but actually, no, I'm going to say right now, I, I'm going to be rooting for the Steelers against the Colts. And, and here's why. Number one is I'd, I'd just be nervous going into week 17 in a winner take all game with the Steelers. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, look, you want me to say I'm a little scarred by the uh, Jim Sorgi led Colts losing to the Titans. I'm a little scarred by that uh, in, in 2007. So look, the Ravens play the Bengals, the Colts play the Jags, and then the Dolphins are playing the Bills. So you'd be like, okay, well, the Dolphins are going to be massive underdogs in that game. And if they lose, boom, Browns are in the playoffs anyway. Well, let me tell you, if the Colts beat the Steelers next week, the Bills have zero to play for in that game, assuming the Chiefs win, zero. They would own the tiebreaker against the Browns and the Steelers both. There's really no reason for them to, to press hard in that game. Uh, and look, there are still a lot of results to be had, but that is a very real possibility that the Bills will have nothing to play for in that game. And, and then also on top of that, you know, I'm look, I, the Steelers are obviously struggling right now, but I also don't think they're this bad. I don't think they're as bad as the Bengals team that the Browns has beaten twice this year either. You know, the big Ben is still there. There's a chance he gets a little healthier. Maybe he's banged up a little bit right now. There's those rumors around. They've got tons of threats on the receiving side. They still have those defensive playmakers and Here's the other reason. So not only, you know, would I be nervous just as a Browns fan and look, you oh, call me scaredy cat. Okay. I can take it. I can take it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big guy, but look, as a Browns fan, that's a little bit scarred. Yeah. I'm a, I'd be a little nervous if it was division or, or bust in terms of the playoffs uh, in week 17, I would be nervous, but here's the other reason. And I think this one is actually a little bit more fair and, and less emotional is I fear the Ravens more than a lot of the other teams in the AFC that the Browns would play as a wildcard team. If the Browns are the five seed, they're looking at probably the Colts or the Titans. And if they're the six seed, probably this, the Steelers or the Bills, right? Those are kind of the teams. Just That's generally speaking who, who the teams could be. And maybe Buffalo I, I is kind of on that level with Baltimore, but I'd rather play the Steelers. I'd rather play the Titans and the Colts, both who the Browns have beaten already this year. So to me, yes, you win the AFC North, you get the home game. That would be sweet for Browns fans. Absolutely. Even in this year with limited capacity, that would be awesome. And having the title as AFC North champions would also be awesome. But if I'm thinking about, the Browns' chances of advancing in the playoffs, I think I'd want to avoid Baltimore in the first round. I do. I think I'd want to avoid Baltimore. And the easiest way to ensure that is Steelers beat the Colts, Browns clinch a playoff spot, boom. They're in one of the wild card teams. They're facing a, a weak division winner or a Steelers team that limps into the playoffs and all of that. So I, I don't think it's crazy to be rooting for the Steelers. Now, I hope the Dolphins just lose to the Raiders on Saturday, and then this doesn't even matter. But Browns fans, that's something to consider, that I I think I might be rooting for the Steelers against the Colts, and I know that might be sacrilegious to some of you out there, and and maybe it is. Maybe I'll reconsider that. I don't know. I, I haven't quite made up my mind, if you can't tell. Uh, but 
I just I I I will be very nervous if the Browns go into that game in, in week 17 with it being AFC North division title or potentially no playoffs. Uh, and, and there's a very real chance that game could be on Sunday night too. So yeah, that, that, uh, that would, that would definitely make me scared. Uh, I also want to talk about some other news that's come across the, uh, the slate this week uh, in terms of the Browns. And I'm going to start with Pro Bowl selections. So three Browns made the Pro Bowl. Miles Garrett deserved. Joel Batonio deserved. And Nick Chubb, well-deserved well on all three fronts. Now, the question becomes, did Browns get left out? And really, when you look at this team, look, on the defensive side of the football, there's not a lot of other arguments to be made. Yeah, and Sheldon Richardson's had a good year. Olivia Veron's had a good year, but not Pro Bowl level, in, in my opinion. Denzel Ward's missed too many games and probably still not even at the Pro Bowl level with how deep the corner position is. So there, there's really not a lot of other areas other than the offensive line. And I think there is a great case to be made that the Browns have the best offensive line in football. If you look at their passing block, the pass blocking, the run blocking, the whole combo of it, they, they really are that good. And to only have one of them make it, it stings a little bit. And I saw a lot of people arguing for Wyatt Teller. He's the number one rated guard on pro football focus. And so that's kind of, I think, where a lot of that comes from. But I actually think the better argument is J.C. Treader, just because Wyatt Teller's missed so many games. I think it's hard. It would be hard for voters to put him in. But J.C. Treader, to me, the Brown center, he's an Iron Man never misses games. He's been great for them this year. And he's the one that's you know, directing the offensive line. A lot of these times, you know, he's the one that sets it all up. And for me, I think he's sixth overall in pro football focus. If you want to look at kind of the analytics side of things, but I think if you also just kind of take a step back and you're like, okay, who has the best offensive line who quarterbacks that offensive line, so to speak, it's JC Treader. And he's not in the Pro Bowl. I that one actually sat a little bit worse to me. That's it sat a little bit worse to me than, than Wyatt Teller. And look, honestly, and I tweeted this out. The most egregious thing about the Pro Bowl, and this is why you have to take every Pro Bowl selection with a grain of salt, is that two Steelers offensive linemen made the Pro Bowl. David DeCastro made the Pro Bowl as the 28th ranked guard in, in pro football focus and, and Marquise Pouncey is the 28th ranked center. And look, pro football focus is not the gospel by any means. It's just one measurement, but 28th, it's not like they were top 10, 28 is a long way from the top and to be named to the pro bowl. And, and not only that, go look at the raw numbers, go look at the analytic analytical numbers on the Bengals pass rush. They took the Steelers to the woodshed last night uh that that pass rush was all over big ben to have two offensive linemen from the steelers be in the pro bowl is it based on their season performance was egregious and then it as it was happening to have the game highlight that last night where they faced the 32nd ranked pass rush and and to be giving up r rushes like that all night long just put a finer point on it so Look, I'm just not going to get worked up. That worked up about the Pro Bowl. I'm not because that's all you need to know, right there. That's all you need to know. They put two Steelers offensive linemen in that, hands down, did not deserve to be in that. Regardless of my Browns bias, that's 
I, I don't know how you argue that, that they deserve to be in there uh, at all. So that's, that's kind of my thoughts on, on the Pro Bowl. Let's also talk about some Browns news. And, and the biggest news really, I think, is Miles Garrett saying he's still dealing with complications from COVID, saying he's still having shortness of breath still that it's difficult to breathe. He's working on it. He's doing lung exercises and things like that. But, and, and look, maybe that explains the lack of production the last couple of weeks and, and not lack of production, but really just lack of highlight plays, you know, 70% miles care is probably better than hundred percent of most pass rushers, but COVID affects everybody differently. And I think everybody from their personal lives know that. And, and we also know that from watching athletes, you see some athletes get it and, and it doesn't seem to bother them. We've seen other athletes. It seems like have taken a really long time to recover. I know I did a lot of research on uh, an NBA player, Mo Bamba, for a project I was doing at Blue Wire. And he had, he had COVID complications for months following his diagnosis. So it can happen. It's possible. It affects everybody differently. And I've seen some people say, Hey, should Miles Garrett be sitting out? It's tough. I don't know. I'm not a doctor by any means. I don't know if, if not playing really helps. It doesn't seem like to me, it's something where this is going to heat, you know, it's like an injury that heals if Miles Garrett didn't play. That's just my outside perspective on it. I don't know, but that's gotta be concerning if you're a Browns fan, right? He's, the biggest piece of this defense. So if he can't be at hundred percent, that certainly worries me as you go into the playoffs in particular, or potentially a pivotal week 17 matchup against the Steelers. I'm not sure holding him out's the right thing to do, but somehow, some way the Browns got to get him healthy. Otherwise this defense is really going to be challenged going forward. As we've seen the last, you know, two weeks ago against an elite Ravens offense, they, they really struggled without his top tier level production. So that, that's definitely concerning news uh, for Browns fans out there. And we'll continue to monitor that situation here on the rebuild. And the other injury news we got is Chris Albert did suffer a pretty significant knee injury. He's headed to the IR and that's a tough one because he's been a great kind of swing offensive lineman, sixth offensive lineman. If anybody's gone down, yeah, it's mostly been filling in for Wyatt Teller, but Chris Hubbard's got a pretty versatile skill set. He's been all over the place. And so that definitely hurts some depth there on, on the offensive line because you feel pretty comfortable with him filling in pretty much across the board. So the Browns will turn to Nick Harris. It looks like until Wyatt Teller's back, Nick Harris, fifth round draft pick for the team. And I thought he did a fine job in that Giants game. He did give up one sack that, that was talked about on the broadcast, but they're going to have to rely on him now. And I don't think it's the biggest deal against the Jets, but if he's playing against the Steelers or into the playoffs, that's, something that we'll also have to keep an eye on. And that's kind of all I had on the team side of things. I just want to, you know, kind of update everybody there as, as we got that new Sheldon Richardson looks like they said his neck injury, you know, he'll be fine. Was the Kevin Stefanski quote on it. So it looks like there's a chance he'll play this Sunday, but the, it looks like the Browns will be down a couple offensive linemen. So that's something to monitor as we talk about the Browns playing the Jets, a one and 13 Jets team that did win their one game last week against a, a formidable St. Louis Rams, St. Louis Rams. Wow. Uh, a Los Angeles Rams team. Uh, so that is their one, one and only win on the season. Uh, my, I can't say I'm, I'm too stressed about it, but I, I did want to give you guys a little bit of a preview of that game. So I, you know, I'll just be, 
honest with the listeners out there, I don't have any great connections with any Jets writers or reporters or anything like that. So I brought in Nick Dayus, who's a New York-based guy, uh, works for Blue Wire. So he's got a pretty good pulse on the Jets and he does great work really on the NFL as a whole. So this conversation started out as a Jets preview, but we got a lot into kind of Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold. We kind of took a bigger picture look at the Browns as well, you know, bringing in somebody with a little bit more of a general NFL perspective on things, which I think is good, you know, given the fact that, look, there isn't a ton to preview about this game. The Jets are one of the, they're the worst offense, one of the worst defenses. So I kind of like that this conversation went in a couple different directions, but you know, you'll get your Jets preview and you'll also get some other conversation about the league that I think was really insightful and and interesting as well. So we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but then on the other side of this will be my conversation with Nick Dayas on the Jets and some other NFL stuff. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bets Online. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still get in on the action at, at Bet Online. And look, something that just caught my attention this week, and I'm not saying I'm going to bet it, but the Browns are plus 1,800 to win the AFC. Baltimore's plus 650. The Bills, 600. The Tennessee Titans plus 1,100. I thought that was a little disrespectful. I thought that was a little disrespectful. So, I look, I as I said, I'm not going to say that I'm betting it. But, hey, if you like those odds, maybe you head over to Bet Online, and, and maybe there's something else that catches your eye. From game spreads, totals, coaching props, player props, they've got all of that. More options to wager than anywhere else. You can do it in all 50 states, which is key if you're traveling for the holidays as well. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Just don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when you do at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This episode of The Rebuild is also brought to you by Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every higher is critical. I can tell you Blue Wire just made a bunch of hires, raised our Series A, and look, those those jobs had to go up on Indeed.com because Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them at the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only website that moves as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through the end of the year, so get in before it expires. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on the rebuild to preview Browns Jets. And I have a special guest with me to do just that. Nick Dayas from Veterans Minimum on Blue Wire, New York guy. And look, we had to bring him in to talk about this pivotal Browns Jets game for the Browns. Not so much uh, for the Jets at this point after the win last week. Yeah, right. I mean, it was pretty crazy here in New York. The talk radio was out of control 
because no Jet fan wanted them to win. Tank for Trevor has been going on since about week three. So it's been a pretty pretty quiet week from gangrene nation. I myself, I'm a big I'm a big Giants fan, but with the Jets, it's uh I'm very familiar and follow them. A lot of my family is Jeff fans and all my buddies. And plus New York talk radio, you, you can't escape them. They actually make more headlines now, Henry, than the Giants do, believe it or not. Wow, that that's saying something. I mean, at least the Jets. Well, I guess the Giants, I mean, there's there's the hope of the playoffs there. You'd think that would that would motivate the fan base a little bit there. Obviously, Browns Giants last week. I had the guys on from Big Blue Banter to talk about the Giants team, and, and they were a little – it was funny. Despite the the playoff uh, optimism that I'd seen out of some Giants fans, they didn't quite have it. They didn't seem quite so optimistic about Daniel Jones, the front office, the coaching staff, or any of that, where at least the Jets, it was like, okay, we're losing, but for a purpose. And unfortunately, that purpose, I, I think, might have gone out the window a little bit last week after that Rams game. Yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic. I've seen the shift in Daniel Jones through the media and the fan base uh, sort of do a complete 180 and then another 180, right? So in the beginning of the year, it was, well, you can't win with Daniel Jones. And then they go on that run. And then when he got hurt and he missed that game, it was, well, they can't win without Daniel Jones. And then you see Colt McCoy playing on Sunday and you're like, well, there's a reason why he's bounced around the league and he's a backup. So it's weird, man. The schedule is tough. They got the Ravens and then they play the Cowboys who now they're sort of alive as well for a playoff. The NFC East has been such a nightmare, but it's uh back-to-back New York games for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to touch on the other New York quarterback. I want to talk about Sam Darnold first and foremost, kind of to start this thing off as, as we preview this game, because look, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are, are tied at the hip a little bit as part of that draft class in 2018. Right. I think they're not the only ones. Uh, I, there are a couple other quarterbacks in that class as well, that everybody's kind of comparing back and forth, but look at the time and, and there are records to show it. I'm not going to hide from it. I wanted the Browns to take Sam Darnold and I've admitted that I would, I think I'm wrong about that at this point. Now I think, you know, other people coming into the year might've pushed back and said, Hey, there's still maybe some Darnold over Baker people out there. But for me as a Browns fan, I was like, we had the Johnny Manziel experiment. Right. And, and I don't think Johnny and Baker were necessarily the same quarterbacks coming in as prospects, but I was like, we have the number one pick. Finally, the classic prototypical six, four USC quarterback is sitting there and we're going to pass on him for the six foot guy with a couple of off the field concerns. And, and now a couple of years later, look, I, as I said, I've changed my stance on that, but I, there, there, the opinions on Sam Darnold are all over the place. Where are you at with him? Uh, I was a Sam Darnold truther and I still remain. My stock has not went anywhere. It's not gonna. I think you have to take all things into consideration and you're seeing what happened with Baker this year, as opposed to what it looked like last year, last year was all sunshine and rainbows going into the season with all the weapons, but they had arguably the worst offensive line, at least the worst tackle situation in football, in my opinion. Would you agree, Henry? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, 
Greg Robinson uh, gives me nightmares still sometimes. So L- listen, I had to root for Eric Flowers for a few years. So <laughs> don't you get me started on revolving doors at tackle. All right. So here's the thing, right? I think you need to take everything into consideration. Let's take a look real quick. Just run through the quarterbacks that were taken in that 2018 class. Baker goes number one, comes in as a rookie. Very misleading numbers, if you think about it, because he had those two monster games against the Bengals, and it sort of inflated all his numbers. Then year two, he gets some weapons. Offensive line is bad. He struggles this year. Offensive line and running game improved. They address it in the offseason. I also, as a, uh, you know, a degenerate, Henry, I am financially strapped to the odds of Kevin Stefanski winning coach of the year. So I am I'm definitely monitoring this situation in Cleveland. So and now everyone's on the Baker bandwagon, especially this last month that he's been on. It's been a sensational run. Then we go to Sam Darnold. The one weapon that he had, they didn't even bother trying to re-sign him, Robbie Anderson. Adam Gase is his head coach. New coordinators, new head coach from you know his rookie year into into the what he's had with Gase. Offensive line is abysmal. Beckton is a beast, but still a lot of work to do. The guys that he's throwing to, he barely had Denzel Mims all year. Crowder is a tremendous slot wide receiver, but I'm in the camp of your best wide receiver can't be a slot guy, a primary slot guy. He, you can put your best wide receiver in the slot, but your best wide receiver can't be your slot wide receiver. So the weapons around them are bad. The situation is bad. You look at Josh Allen, right? The Josh Allen and what they did in Buffalo is exactly what you should do with a young quarterback. And it's what Cleveland did also. You go and you get Odell Beckham. You go and you trade assets for Stephon Diggs. And you go and bring in Kareem Hunt. And you draft either wide receivers or even what the Bills did last year, Henry, where they go and they get John Brown and Cole Beasley. It's like give your guy a plethora of weapons to work with. Lamar Jackson, the same thing. He had an offense built for him. And also the Ravens, just the infrastructure there is just so solid. So look at what I just, this rant I just went on. Sam Darnold has clearly had the worst situation of all these guys. And I I think he's just as talented at them. I would have agreed with you until I've seen a little bit too much Jets football as a degenerate as well. Uh, and I would ag- I would have agreed with you until some of the games I've seen this year. I, I think you've started to see some more concerning things from Darnold in, in terms of the decision-making and that stuff. But uh, it, in his defense, what you saw with Baker Mayfield last year, and, and, I, and I hear you about Baker's rookie year on the numbers being inflated, but what I thought was so promising then was he, he was for real in terms of delivering with accuracy from the pocket then. And what you saw in year two was all of a sudden he couldn't stand in there at all anymore. And I think you're seeing that with Sam Darnold too in this offensive line is it's hard to evaluate a quarterback when he, he doesn't feel comfortable even standing in the pocket for, you know, to go to a second and third read. And that's what I've seen out of Darnold all year. It's just, I thought that the interceptions and, and, and fumbling problems in college were overstated, but at some point they keep coming back and they keep coming back. And so that's the part that concerns me a little bit. Now I think he has maybe the worst offensive coach in the league calling plays mm-hmm. for him. And it's been proven out over and over again. I mean, 
the football guys say it, the analytics guys say it, you know, how much he uses 11 personnel when they're one of the worst 11 personnel teams in the league, all the, everybody says it, that he, that for some reason, Adam Gase kind of refuses to adjust. So it's, look, would I be shocked if Sam Darnold finds a, a different home next year and succeeds or with a new coach does a little bit better? No, but I think there's a lot to be concerned with. And look, as we look at this game, that offensive line versus Miles Garrett and company gives me a lot of hope as a Browns fan. Yeah, the you're right on the one big black eye on Sam Darnold is that some of the concerns coming into his NFL career were the turnovers and there hasn't been much of an improvement, but I'm going to defer to it, it being everything around him. Now, the real question, though, is, is he damaged goods? Has he been scarred so bad this tenure with the Jets where he just can't mentally recover from that? So I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I, I still have faith because I think if you actually build around him and give him some weapons and give him a legitimate chance to have an offensive mind, to have a good offensive line, to have some weapons to throw to. I like Denzel Mims, but hey, man, you're not available. What good are you for me? I rooted for Odell Beckham Jr., bro. I loved him every game he played. But then it's it's a hamstring. It's a, it's an ankle. Now it's an ACL. It's a back. It's, you know, your best ability is availability. So that, that that's just how I feel about Sam Donald to just wrap up on on him because I can go on for hours, man. I'm very <laughs> passionate about quarterbacks and my, I have a, a follow-up that's a little bit more tied to this game. Uh, if you're the jets, you win last week, you've got, you know, the media from one side saying, you know, or the fans at least, you know, that you've kind of ruined things with the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. On the other hand, you've avoided the 0 and 16 season. If you're the players, which is probably something you care more about, there's really there's no risk to winning anymore, but there also is is no fear of that 0-16 season. Where do you think the motivation for the Jets is at this game? Do you, would you guess they'd come in a little bit more relaxed and maybe not quite as sharp and, and this is a blowout? Or it, do you think they'll, you know, kind of feel relieved and, and Sam Darnold can relax a little bit more and just play his game? Unless there is information that we don't know and they've committed to Sam Darnold after this year, then I think you expect a letdown spot for the Jets here coming off their first win. It just seems that way. Um, some of the betting stuff is showing that as well, where when you have an underdog win outright, I mean, there was there were a historic underdog uh, in, in the last 25 years. Only four other times has there been a favorite by that many points lose at home. So you have that factoring in as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Douglas and and maybe ownership were like, hey, you know, everyone celebrated a win. That's nice. But, you know, you're going to get cut if you score touchdowns or something along the lines like that. Because if they want to move on from Sam Darnold, then remember, they have a lot of draft picks over the next two years from trades that they've made and obviously the Jamal Adams trade. So it's just it. I could definitely see it being a letdown spot. And especially if you're a if you're a Browns fan and the division isn't really out of question the way Pittsburgh's been looking. 
Yeah, wow, look, at that, wow, look at that smirk that popped up when I said division. <laughs> well, that's exactly where I wanted to go next. Uh, you read my mind is, look, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Last night, I watched a Steelers team lose to, look, the Cincinnati Bengals are bad to begin with. And then they started Ryan Finley and, and the Steelers lost to them, really opening the door now for the Browns potentially to win the AFC North and actually get a home playoff game in Cleveland, which would be crazy considering the drought that the team has experienced. And look, they had two pro, you know, I I tweeted this out. They had two offensive linemen get voted to the pro bowl. That offensive line got taken to the woodshed by Cincinnati last night, especially in that second half. I could not believe what Lawson did to, to Villanueva, the left tackle for the Steelers out there. And, I'm starting to I'm starting to believe that there's a chance for the Browns. Do you believe that there's a chance for the Browns, a legitimate chance for the Browns to win this division? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I I mean, I think you'd be foolish to not consider it, especially just just the way Pittsburgh has looked and you know, you have it would be awesome. I mean, you could already tell that that's going to be the Sunday night football game week 17 if if the division is on the line, like that's getting flexed into it a hundred percent. And one of my buddies lives in Cleveland and he goes to the home games and they've been, I mean, I don't got to tell you, you guys have been dying for a a home playoff game for a long, long time. So uh, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Look, the Steelers, not only are they playing bad football, they've gotten a hurt too. It seems like the injuries on defense is starting to catch up with them. I do think that that defense, the way it's built, outside of Watt and Fitzpatrick, all those guys, their stock is elevated because of the guys around them. Like, no one else stands out to me when I'm watching the Steelers' defense outside of them, too. And I know, too, it is is the analytics people really like him on, on run stuffing and clogging up holes for linebackers and whatnot but for the most part man i wouldn't be surprised the way the browns are playing and it's going to come down to i think week 17 is going to be for the division i think there there's a good chance of my two and and the browns are in an interesting browns fans at least are in an interesting conundrum too where if that happens if the colts do beat the steelers it could also mean that the browns are, are playing for the division but if they lose also could be knocked out of the playoffs uh, with Baltimore soft schedule remaining the dolphins playing the bills in week 17, who might not have anything to play for at that point. It's, it's a little bit stressful. It's a little bit stressful as a Browns fan. I'll tell you that, but what I'd love to get your thoughts. I, I, what do you think the ceiling is for this Browns team? You know, I know you're a, a connoisseur of the entire NFL. So, you know, I, for me, I've said, I think, you know, AFC championship isn't out of the question. Now that means they'd have to, you know, in all likelihood go through Buffalo. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I will say that I I am also excited at the prospect of betting against Baker Mayfield in the playoffs as well. So that, that has me very. And Kevin uh, Stefanski, you're going to bet against Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, because I do think uh, the the Bills sort of remind, uh, not the Bills, excuse me, the Browns sort of remind me a little bit of how people felt about the Titans going into last year. There's a lot of similarities between the two teams where 
the Browns want to run the ball 45 times, and they got two running backs that they could do that with. They don't want their quarterback to do too much. There are some threats on the outside. Obviously, A.J. Brown is a way better receiver than what the, the Browns have out there right now. And I, I would definitely give the edge to the defense that Cleveland has now as opposed to what Tennessee had last year. But it's schematically and the way both of these teams play, there's a lot of deja vu here. However, I've been on record saying since about week two that, you know, just hang the banner up already for Kansas City. And I think if if you want AFC aspirations, you and and, and Browns Nation, just don't run into KC until the AFC title game. Because then, man, look, I'm a Giants fan. I've seen two Super Bowls. And they weren't the best team in any of those playoff runs. Both times they were either a wild card or the four seed. All right. The Giants said it went Super Bowls being 12 and four bye weeks. But it's a one game thing, you know, a couple bounces here and there before you know it. So I, I think the Browns, it's weird. I could see them going to the AFC title game if they avoid everyone until Kansas City. But I'm also excited at the idea of betting against Baker. Yeah, I the defense is more what concerns me about the Browns in terms of, of their ceiling, just because as great as their front four is, their their back seven is really struggling. And not only struggling, is injured in in a way that you know they're not getting a lot of those guys back, right? They've they already were down two starters before the season for the year. Ronnie Harrison's on IR and it's kind of unclear what his timeline is coming back, but it seems like it'd be a long shot for him to come back and really be healthy for the playoffs. Who knows? But uh, that's the part that, that concerns me about the Browns ceiling is, is that defense. But look, I, I also think this, this team has, you know, they have with the running game, with the play action game, I think they could give, all of the defenses in the AFC problems. The Bills defense is not the same this year, although improving the last couple of weeks, as people have pointed out, that Chiefs defense seems to be sliding a little bit. And I could see, look, the Browns have a great formula for upsets as well, because although the defense isn't spectacular, a pass rush, as you know, as a Giants fan in the Super Bowl, a front four that can cause disruptions like that is kind of the formula for those upsets and and really what it all comes down to for me and and in the end, and it's what makes me so excited about this team beyond this year is what we've kind of touched on a little bit already is Kevin Stefanski. Mm -hmm. I think Kevin Stefanski has really proven himself as a top tier play caller in a way that I thought he might coming into the season, but you never know until you hand the reins to somebody like that. And he's done a lot with injuries with limited personnel at times, though I think Baker's improved a lot throughout the year. I think obviously the beginning of the year wasn't what you would be looking for from your quarterback in terms of play. And through all that, you know, I a couple weeks ago on the podcast when the Steelers were 11 and 0, I said, Mike Tomlin may be the coach of the year, but I'm not convinced that the Browns don't have the best coach in the division now going forward. And, and now with the Steelers' losses the last couple weeks, as you said, uh, Kevin Stefanski might actually be in play for that award. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be a nice uh, birthday weekend for myself if uh, he does win it at the NFL Honors Awards. But yeah, man, I, I'd agree with you. Look, Stefanski, he was a guy who when he came over from Minnesota, you knew what he wanted to do and he's executing his game plan. He's not going away from what he wants to do. He wants to run the ball a lot. 
and he has backs that are capable of doing it. And if he could keep Baker to under 30 attempts, that's exactly what they and his staff want the team to be doing. And also, I think the front office and him seem to be pretty well aligned. Something that I saw a lot coming into the year is, hey, the Stefanski loves to use multiple tight end sets. It's a big part of his game. Play action, you know, use those tight ends. And the Browns signed Austin Hooper to a contract that seemed a, a pretty large at the time, given that Austin Hooper's, hey, look, he's not Gronk, he's not Kelsey. And maybe that that contract still is an overpay, but they brought him in. They drafted the Mackey Award winner last year and Harrison Bryant. And everybody was, you know, David and Joker was demanding trades. They were like, what are the Browns doing? Spending all these resources at tight end. They already have one. And, and look, that's all worked out. They've used the multi-tight end sets. They, they brought in, you know, a Jack Conklin to help shore up the run game, especially blocking wise and all of that, where it seems like the front office has done a good job giving Stefanski what he needs to, to kind of put in that, put that system in place and, and thrive with it. Yeah, the Austin Hooper stuff was very strange, especially when you draft. Well, th that whole concept, I'm not exactly, I don't remember exactly which one came first, but I'm pretty sure it was the free agency. Yeah, they signed go, signed Hooper and then and then drafted. Yeah, and, and also drafted. you have Najoku, who, I mean, I, I like him. I just think that he's been sort of in and out the lineup, it seems like. and Yeah, health is the biggest problem for him, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I don't know, I... I personally don't think a, a tight end is that necessary as someone who root, roots for a team that has Evan Ingram. I don't know how he made the Pro Bowl. I think there's, that just tells you how bad tight end has been. So, I mean, unless you're Travis Kelsey or Kittle, and, and Waller's entered that discussion as well now, tight end to me is just a very overpaid position. Interesting. See, I think I uh, – I... I'm, I'm going to disagree there because I think actually with, if you get a tight end that can block and catch passes, I think there's a lot of value in the versatility there. Whereas, you know, I, the, you know, people talk about like the running back position, right? Not having a lot of value because it's pretty similar. I think the, if you get a tight end that can block and catch passes, there aren't a ton of those guys out there. And yeah, Austin Hooper, and Harrison Bryant, they're not, you know, Kittle and Kelsey in terms of, you know, catching passes and all of that, but they can do enough of both that I think that causes a lot of matchup problems when you can develop a strong run game like the Browns have and then go play action off that to the tight ends. I think there's a lot of usefulness and versatility there. Okay, you bring up good points and I agree with you. You're, you're right. You swung me a little bit. The The thing that I, I should have said and elaborated on is I don't think it's necessary to add more to that position <laughs> when you already have someone there. Yeah. Which like is, I get, I get if you needed a tight end coming into the year and you wanted to sign one, like I get that. Like if new England signed Austin Hooper, I'd be like, you know what? That makes sense. They don't Ryan Izzo's a tight end. Like congratulations. But <laughs> When you have Najoku, I don't think it's a position of need in that sense. Like, if you already have someone there, I don't think it's that important to waste uh, assets on them. And, and my my feeling on the situation is that this is a new front office that didn't draft David Njoku. And with the health concerns and, and just being around the team a little bit myself, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that they, they felt like Njoku probably wasn't going to be the long-term fit there which is why they felt they needed to add if, if Stefanski 
was going to have success long-term here. That's just, that's just my perspective on things, but that's my guess. That's my guess in terms of what happened there. And, and I don't think that that trade request from him in the off season caught them by surprise. Well, yeah, that you see that happen all the time. Guys want to bring in their guys and their players. There's some machismo ego thing to it where they want to have their guys in the building, which I get, I understand, but why would you cut ties with guys that are talented just because you didn't draft them? Like, could you imagine if you and if you go to Houston right now, they need a general manager? Are you not going to keep Watson because you didn't draft him? Like, it's craziness sometimes. I know that's an extreme because he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but it's just it's just weird that dynamic of the new front office coming in and wanting to clean house a little bit. It, it it's it's always a weird one for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I uh, I agree with you. And I think, look, I think the John Dorsey front office did some good things for Cleveland. So I'm not going to, and I think particularly the Baker Mayfield pick as it not only was not, not something I agreed with at the time, but that took a lot of guts to take the guy that's not consensus. Number one, that has some pretty, you know, obvious traits that don't fall into your typical proto, uh, you know, prototype QB number one guy. And that took a lot of guts from him. So I've, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to just poo-poo everything that they did, but I, I do think I, I like a lot of what Andrew Barry and the new Browns front office has done as well. So Nick, just before we go, I have just one question that I think is going to be an obvious answer, but you're not smelling upset for the jets on Sunday. Are you? No, no, not I've, I've seen crazy. a couple people float that out there. So I just, uh, I, I wanted an outsider's perspective. No, but there there are some things that are concerning when you look at the betting line, right? They're a 10-point favorite is Cleveland. Do you know if they stayed in New York? Did they go back to Cleveland and coming back? I mean, it's not really that much of a commute. It's not like you're going west and then coming east again. But I know it's something that in the past, whenever you have a a road trip and say Seattle plays in the East Coast and they have a, a Bills and Jets game, they'll just stay out east as opposed to going back then coming, then going, then coming. So, yeah, that shouldn't that shouldn't really is is there what like a one hour time difference between Ohio and Ohio still Eastern time, so still same time zone. No, yeah, uh, so no concerns you're... there. I okay, know there yeah. were some restrictions earlier in the year about staying on the road that long. I'm not sure if those are still in place. So, to answer your question, I don't know if if the Browns stayed in New York or not. So, from the betting perspective, the the action network is a really cool site that I like to use and they do like bet percentage, like ticket count. And then they also do money percentage. So whenever you see bet percentage or ticket counts, that usually indicates what the public is on because the money is always moved by the professionals. And this is an 80, 20 game. If you're familiar with sports betting, it's like 80% of the money is coming in. Uh, excuse me. 80% of the bets are coming in on the road favorite. And those are just, I always just say, look, just be careful with games like that. So I wouldn't be, I'm not saying the Jets are going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, you know, Browns are up 14, you know, it's 28, 14, Darnold has the ball and they backdoor cover and it's 21, 28. Yeah. The Browns I, I hope it's not that close myself as a Browns fan. Uh, I have to say, but I, I, I feel pretty good about this one from the Browns only because not only obviously do the Jets, are, are they not good to begin with, but I think their weaknesses and strengths really align well with the Browns. They can't protect the quarterback at all. So I think the Browns are going to be able to put a lot of pressure on Sam Darnold 
and on the other side of things, look, they rank 32nd as a passing offense right now. So I just don't think, look, the Browns secondary is the weakness of this team. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to exploit that. So I, I really, I, I, I would be surprised if the Jets find a way to score. They can stop the run a little bit, but I think Baker's going to have another big day uh, against their secondary as well. So I'm feeling pretty good as, as far as the minus 10 goes. Look, double digit lines are not my favorite thing to bet on in the NFL. I'm going to, I'm going to go with a stay away there just because of exactly what you said, a backdoor cover, but look, the Browns are a good team when they're ahead. And, and we've talked about that a couple of times on the show before because of the running game, they do make it very difficult to, to, uh, you know, to, have teams get back in the game late. They tend to close out pretty well in those last five minutes or so. But I'm going to say stay away from the bet, but I feel pretty good about the Browns just to win it straight up. Yeah, we shouldn't we shouldn't overreact to the Jets winning last week because yeah, they're, they're one I don't know how – I don't know – right. And I, I also don't know how you feel about Jared Goff. I was a huge Jared Goff truther. I mean, I bet him to win MVP the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Like, I was all in on Jared Goff. He is the ultimate definition of a roller coaster quarterback. Like when he's on, man, you're saying to yourself, this guy is a blank check. Give him whatever he wants. Give him equity in the team. And then when it's bad, when it's bad, bro, it's like, what the hell? You know, like that game that they played in Miami earlier this year where Miami's defense had, I think, five turnovers in the first half. Yeah, I, I bet on the Rams in that game. I remember it, it well. Was just, it's just ludicrous sometimes, the swings with him. But the reason why I bring that up, Henry, is because, you know, 30 to 10 losses, 37-28, 36-7, 31-13. Like, the Jets are getting 24 nothing, 35-9. The Jets are getting blown out every week. It just so happened that they beat the Rams. We're two weeks removed from a 40 40- to three loss to Seattle. So let's not get too crazy off this win against the Rams. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns now. Oh, I have this question for you. It just crossed my mind. Is there is there potential to a look ahead for Cleveland with Pittsburgh looming? Maybe uh, the, I, I, that definitely, I think, has crossed my mind as a Browns fan. I'm a little worried about that. I think the the slate this week is actually really interesting in terms of timing because the Dolphins play on Saturday, the 26th, before the Browns. And so if the Dolphins win that game, the Browns still are going to have a lot of pressure on them in the AFC in terms of the wild card. So I don't I think they'll be pretty focused if the Dolphins win that game. Now, if the Dolphins lose that game, the Browns clinch a playoff berth. And then basically the game against the Jets doesn't mean a whole lot. Well, it's, it still does in terms of seeding, but it means less. And there might be a little bit of that look ahead towards Pittsburgh uh, with Colts and Pittsburgh play at the same time right now. So the, the Browns wouldn't be able to see the results of that game ahead of time. So it's possible. It's possible. I think, I think that's something that's going to be very interesting to watch for this week is with the games on Christmas day, with the games on Saturday, the day after Christmas, that, that the Browns are going to have some more information at their disposal before they step on the field on Sunday. As a fan of the NFL who has no dog in this race, I would love for Cleveland to win this weekend and Pittsburgh to lose because then week 17 is going to be delightful to sit back and watch. With that rivalry also after what happened last year and then earlier this year, it could be a very juicy week 17 matchup. I've had a 
lot of, of good games watching Brown Steelers, both good and bad, you know, kind of both sides of the coin. But I'll tell you what, I don't have a lot of memories of playoff implications in those games. And mm-hmm. that's something I would love to see if it can happen on Sunday. So with that, Nick, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but before we go, let the people know where they can uh, find you on social and find your work and all that, because not only do you talk NFL and do a great job at that, but I, I know as somebody who listened to your NBA season preview that you cover all sorts of other things that our listeners might be interested in. Yeah, man, this was fun. Thanks for uh, thinking about me when, when you were looking for someone to come and talk. So it, it was nice to actually meet you also. And uh, there was a nice chat, man. Thank you for uh, reaching out. Yeah, my show is Veterans Minimum. It's a part of Blue Wire. It's uh, me always. And then the guests vary, man. It's from childhood friends to athletes, celebrities, influencers, uh, narcos, DEA agents, like uh, anything that I'm into or interested in, I reach out to people to talk to and it's very laid back and chill and a lot of interesting and like head nodding conversations. And you also get bars. You also get stats as well. So it's fun. I'm, I'm creating something. I, I like to think a little unique, Henry. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know, you know, I, as somebody involved at blue wire, we're, we're, we're always uh, been big fans of your show. So it's, it's great stuff. It, it does cover just a wide ranging uh, amount of topics and and you do get you know as much as you get that that great conversation you also get some some really good kind of, of almost like long form analysis if you will uh, of sports you've got you guys go a ton of different directions with it and as a uh, as a fan of all sports not just football though we talk obviously all browns on the show I enjoy listening to that one a lot so really happy that we had you on Nick uh on this feed later this week, Jordan Zerm is going to come to you guys with another episode before this Jets game. But Browns fans, until then, I have just two words for you as we wait for Sunday. Go Browns! <laughs>